0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: BELIEVE.
0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We took uh, a week off for New Year's, but we are back. Uh, Today, we have an exciting guest, Daniela Moroz, five-time world champion, recently on CLGP, and it was a fun, Uh, conversation
1: yeah it's always hard to find daniela because she's always in a different place around the world but uh we locked down an hour or so uh while she's down in mexico and and had a fun conversation and uh, it was good to hear what she's been up to the last couple months all right well here she is daniela
0: morose well thank you uh for joining us daniela welcome to the salty brother podcast uh how are you
2: Thanks for having me, I'm honored. I'm good.
0: Good, uh, what are you What are you up to right now? Where in the world are you?
2: I am in La Matana, Mexico. Um, I've been down in Baja for a little over a month now and just been getting a ton of time on the water. I was doing some more formal kite training at the beginning of December, but more recently, I was just winging a lot because the El Norte is- were awesome and there was big swell so I got some really fun days on the wing but yeah now I'm I was supposed to go home last week but then like and eventually go to Hawaii for school but then classes got moved online for the first two weeks so I was like I'm gonna stay in Baja and tight bum a little bit longer so yeah
1: (laughs) nice so uh last time I think I saw you, you were kind of on a little like sabbatical or a little break from kiting. Are you kind of back on the, the campaign grind or are you just there for fun?
2: No, I'm definitely on the campaign grind now. Um, nice. I'm not technically like completely full-time yet because I'm still in school, but if all goes well, I'm trying to graduate in May and I'll be done after that, which will be super, super nice. Um, but yeah, that's the plan.
0: you're gonna finish before I do (laughs) Um, yeah so what what kind of training were you doing down in uh in Baja like was there any formal U.S. sailing stuff or just kind of whoever shows up because I know like seems like there's usually a lot of international teams that show up
1: but maybe not this year all right, for all you betting fans, uh, Bet Online is back and better than ever. Uh, the new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online r- remains your number one spot for the basketball and football action this season.
0: Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAVE50 to receive your bonus bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts
2: yeah yeah usually a lot of the europeans show up in like january february more and kind of a little bit before march going into the pro tour event that usually happens around that time of year but I was for the most part just on my own, um, which was actually really good because I think that I found that I can be pretty productive on my own and um, we didn't really have much US sailing stuff going on. So I just found it really productive to be, you know, able to go out every day, not have to be traveling a lot and just get a good routine going. So yeah, it was super good. I think I got like, I don't know, I think I got almost 50 hours in like three weeks or something or almost something like that in half weeks it was like a lot of time i was really stoked about that
1: yeah it seems like la is the the perfect place and then uh you're you're gonna go back to school in hawaii and then what is your do you just go back to the fun hawaii party college life or you like kiting every day training back in hawaii how does that how does that kind of location change uh change your training program
2: Yeah, it's going to change a little bit because um, since I'm supposed to go back to in-person classes, that's going to take some time. Um, And I'm actually going to try to focus a little bit more on wasp sailing and just sailing in general um, and just getting some more time in foiling boats, hopefully, Um, along with, you know, playing with my surfboard and surf foil and stuff like that and go winging for fun. Um, (laughs) I was going to say playing with Dane because Dane is there too. And we're definitely going toe foiling sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to, I'm going to take you away from all your training. (laughs) We're just going to go foil some, some big waves.
2: (laughs) But honestly though, like I found that toe foiling is actually really good cross training in a way because you're obviously, you're not reaching the same speed that you're going kiting, but you are forced to rely completely on your own balance and not rely on a kite that's pulling you. So I actually found and like just trying to do turns on the waves and stuff. So I found like when I was doing with doing it with Cole um when I was there in November, it was like pretty good practice actually and really good just board control and foil practice. So
1: I we I'm
2: telling myself
1: <laughs> We were talking to uh to some foilers about like the the uh what's that word called like the transition between the overlap between uh surfing and and foiling and like whether being a good surfer makes you a good foiler but I guess even more complicated that is like good surf foiler makes you a good kite foiler but I'm not sure how much that relates but maybe it does I guess if you're doing uh all all foiling things you know are you doing any sailing in in school anymore are you kind of over that
2: I mean, I'm I am still on the roster, so I'm technically on the UH <laughs> sailing team, but <laughs> haven't done much non-foiling sailing in Alter- the past. Alternate like, crew <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> in the past almost two years, so um, yeah. But it's cool. I like when I go back, I'll definitely go to some practices, and I think it's super fun just to be with that team and get that experience. So yeah, it's a cool group of people.
1: I bet, uh, yeah, I bet you'll come back with some lessons learned from the GP for the, for the college kids. <laughs>
2: Something like that. How,
1: yeah. How is, um, kind of go, talking about GP for a second, like how, uh, how was that experience and like kind of what, uh, you've kind of haven't done a ton of sailing in your, in your life, but kind of what is the, what was the big, like kind of shock factor for you to like jumping into that, like kind of mega sailing environment, foiling environment, obviously like you're used to, but kind of what was the biggest uh, what was the biggest shock to you or like the biggest thing you had to kind of overcome when you jumped into the CLTP?
2: Hmm yeah it's a good question I mean I guess just coming from my background of I had pretty limited sailing experience like I hadn't done much sailing before I've been on a nacra a few times I I went 49er sailing with Jane one time in Miami last winter and then I don't know, I yeah, I didn't have much sailing experience in general, um, but I did know a lot about foiling just from kiting and I know how a foil is supposed to behave and how it should feel. So um, I did a lot of just research going into the first event in Bermuda last year, because I really felt like I was just jumping into the deep end. Didn't know anything about like professional sailing or really any Olympic yeah. sailing either, because I just came from such a different world um yeah so it was definitely a big kind of shock factor in just like going into such a different professional sailing environment um so yeah it was just it was super important to do a lot of research going into it and i watched a ton of videos and i was asking riley gibbs a ton of questions about the boats and how it works because he had been a wing trimmer on the u.s team in the first season but yeah it was just huge learning experience and um yeah, I'm glad that I didn't <laughs> wipe out on the boat too many times, <laughs> but yeah, it was um, it was super cool. And I think it just opened up a whole new world of just knowledge, I guess, um, and one that I wouldn't have encountered otherwise. It also forced me to try other things. Like I started wasp sailing last summer and learned how to do that and try to do more of that this spring kind of, and eventually hopefully get into a moth um if my you know kiting campaign allows it but i think it's just like there's so everything is going towards foiling now so any way you can get foiling and go fast on the water and just you know do that i think is super valuable
0: yeah um for the the sail gp thing like what was the speed of it pretty like comfortable or was there like a like size of the boat kind of thing that threw you off or or anything or or did it throw you off more like
1: or honestly
2: yeah the speed wasn't that bad for me just because like coming from kiting we're going pretty fast on the water we're going between like let's say 18 and 25 upwind and you know 30 to high 30s downwind um and then i think the fastest Obviously, we were going faster on the F-50. I think our top speed last year was 52.3 knots in Denmark last year, um, which was super, super gnarly. I can tell you that. The boat felt so loose. Um, But, yeah, I guess I also, like, obviously, my skipper was Jimmy Spithill, and I have a lot of trust and confidence in his ability to be able to, you know, make good decisions and drive the boat well. and i think just having that confidence in your team and in your driver and that whole thing definitely gave me made me feel a lot more comfortable um and yeah it was it was a ride though for sure it was super cool
1: yeah i mean that that experience i'm sure you learned like a immeasurable amount of of like sailing and just everything especially surrounded by people like that did you ever feel like you had to balance like trying to learn as much as possible and asking questions or like being kind of annoying and being like, oh, does this person not know something? Like, do you ever feel like you had to balance that kind of lack of knowledge with also like gathering as much knowledge as possible?
2: Yeah, I mean, in a sense, yes. I think because I had to, I mean, I think that there were, there were times to ask questions and to be, that annoying person, let's say, where you just ask a ton of questions, and you're trying to figure everything out. But there's other times where you just observe and absorb as much as you can, and you're just a sponge, and you're taking everything in. Um, So it's definitely important to balance that. And I think a lot of times, like, my more, I don't know, insignificant questions or questions about things that aren't as, yes, a significant factor on the boat were, um, to other people that maybe just had <laughs> the capacity to answer yeah. more than just the team. So for example, like I, I'm really good friends with one of the girls on the tech team, Evelyn, and she's a kiter as well. So all of my boat related questions just and about how it works just went to her because I knew she'd be able to explain it to me and she's friends with me and wouldn't mind, you know, answering my 10 questions at the end of the day. Um yeah, totally. And then yeah, more about the roles was obviously more towards the team and in debriefs and such.
1: Yeah. And then when kind of when you were uh after you were done with the sale DP stuff, did it make you you were like, ah, I'm kind of done with that back to kiting, or did it kind of motivate you to do more sailing in the future, or kind of what did how did your um sense of sailing or or your want to sail more uh change from sail DP?
2: Yeah, I guess I think it just made me more excited to sail and just to learn more about foiling especially. Um and like I said before, I think everything is foiling now and if you can foil and you're competitive in foiling then it opens up a lot of opportunities for you now, especially with you know all the sales GP teams have to have female sailors on their teams and um, America's Cup is going to have an all-female league in a way um, or an all-female regatta, which is really cool. So if you can, yeah, I think I think the future is foiling. So if you can get that experience, you're just in a really good place. And then I couldn't do the last few CLGP events just because it conflicted with my kiting schedule. So my European and world championships were at the same time as Sancho Tropez and Cadiz. Um, but the team is super supportive of what I'm trying to do with kiting and, you know, trying to qualify for the Olympics and they understand that I'm trying to balance that as well. So, um, they were just like stoked to follow my racing while I was following them racing in central pancadise. So yeah, it's like all a balance in the end and whatever way you can get on the water and foil and learn, I think, and just have fun is the best.
0: Yeah. I, So I think you jumped around a lot of topics, which I also want to ask about, like, uh, Olympics and World Championships and all that fun stuff. But to uh, go back to, like, the slowest of all your foiling, um, (laughs) like, how's the Wasp been uh, learning to sail that? And, like, what's that kind of experience been? And, like, yeah.
2: The Wasp was... Honestly, very interesting. Um, So I learned to sail the wasp at the end of June last summer. Um, And it was obviously, it was super new for me. I had spent very, very little time single-handed steering a boat, so the whole tiller towards trouble thing was pretty new for me. and being able to trim the main and steer with one hand was also very new for me. had to learn hand over hand and all of that. Um, and obviously combine that with like pretty gnarly San Francisco conditions. I was learning to sail in Richmond and yeah, all of the above. It was it was a time for sure, but I was super so I was able to get foiling like pretty much within the first day um, or the first couple of days. Um, and then by the end of it, I was able to go like upwind and down it a little bit. Definitely not the most stable. I was pretty wobbly, but I was happy to just like get a feel for it. But yeah, it was super fun. And I think so many of the principles totally applied from kiting, but um, it was just a matter of applying them to a different platform. And the same can be said about the F50. Like it's all the same principles. You're just applying it to a much bigger and slightly different platform.
0: So, right. Yeah, yeah. Works. I think I think it's really cool that um, like obviously the the kiting Olympic stuff is is happening, and I it's been cool kind of watching your progress of like just kiting and and now that it's Olympic, like you're branching out to try to find all the possibilities of like basically like sailboat racing where you've come from kiting and now you're actually like learning to sailboat race in college and learning the wasp and obviously the sail GP thing like like how is kind of like college sailing? do you think that's kind of helped your uh your kiting or what's kind of been like the biggest gain for your kiting outside of actually kiting
2: um i think that the the wasp and the f50 have probably been the biggest gains just because like with the f50 you're going at pretty high speeds a lot of the tactics actually were pretty similar and just the like being able to make quick decisions and um, not just reacting, but anticipating and being able to anticipate moves at that speed. Um, I think that was super applicable to kiting and um, the things like, I don't know, just how the boat behaves, even though it has, you know, two dagger boards and the a rudder system, it's still like you're doing all the same things. you're just on a different platform, so even when I was like doing flight control a little bit in Toronto last year, I totally understood what the boat should be doing um and it was just a matter of like actually being able to physically do it and um get the feel for kind of anticipating those moves. so yeah, I don't know, I think it's a combination of a lot of things in a way,
1: yeah, I mean, I think uh to go off of what Dane said, I feel like you have kind of found the right balance between not diversifying too much and like being, and not being a master at anything. And then like not overdoing one thing and just having no diversity. So I feel like you're kind of finding that range in the last couple of years with like, I'm still the best at this, but then I can diversify my skills and like bring things from different, um, boats and and foiling stuff. So that it's, it's cool to see, um, to change, just to go back to a, previous questions a little off topic but kind of when you when you're looking at the uh the kind of like like women women in sports right now and like looking at the transition that the olympics and these these events like CLGP are making I think the olympics is trying to go like 50 percent male and female right for at least most of their classes like do you think that uh do you feel like the there's like more inclusion now than there used to be and like how is that kind of transition like affected you or if it has at all yeah, sense.
2: definitely. I think now is like the best time to be a woman in the world of sailing. Um, there's so many more opportunities now and um, there's just, yeah, it's really cool. 2024 is going to be the first games where the sport of sailing has equal participation from men and women, right. um, which is a huge step forward. And then um, obviously cellGp is happening and they're building all female teams and um than the women's america's cup like there's just so many more opportunities now and you can definitely feel that, that you know there's yeah you, you can feel that kind of excitement around it i think um and i also feel like it's much more welcoming now i feel like before sailing was definitely a bit of a boys club and you can still see it a little bit now um but it's much more yeah just inclusive i think and like the guys on the sail gp team were so inviting and um welcoming and just like really keen to answer all my questions and um wanting wanted to get me up to speed and i think that kind of culture just didn't exist any didn't exist before um so it's cool to be you know right in that generation where that is happening now and that shift in the culture is happening and to be in that. I feel very, very lucky to, you know, be kind of nailing the timing on this where I'm walking into essentially professional and Olympic sailing at twenty years old. And um it's right at the time where all of these changes are happening. There's gonna be so many more opportunities. So yeah, it's just super exciting times.
1: Yeah. I feel like uh you're kind of being rewarded for getting into it almost before that. Like you were so early and especially in the kiting world it's like so dominated by males and I feel like you kind of got into it early and now you're kind of seeing the benefits but it, it, yeah it's definitely definitely still a boys club but see it's cool to see it like diversifying obviously um everything like I feel like all the sports are kind of going that direction too so I'm glad sailing and kiting is following along <laughs> yeah um yeah but to kind of uh bounce off that
0: question like how was or what was your process of learning to kite like back in the day <laughs> or when did you get yeah. into it and what was the learning process like all right guys sorry for the interruption um say goodbye to dull gifts lightbox lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year using cutting edge technology and innovative techniques they've cracked the signs of sparkle creating the highest quality lab grown diamonds you can find at a price at a light price but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white.
1: Light. Lightbox diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Price, so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to, to add sparkle to your holiday shopping, or since it's not the holidays, any gift shopping in the future. Um, that's lightboxjewelry.com. Never a dull moment.
2: Yeah, so I learned to kite when I was 11, 12, um, in the early 2010s, I I think like 20, yeah, 2012, 2013, kind of when I was learning to kite, and and it it was pretty cool, so I got into it because of my parents. My parents were both windsurfers, and then my dad switched to kiting. And I was just super. I was super competitive and was doing a ton of different sports. And I loved the water. Um, so growing up around winter thing, I eventually wanted to just try kiting and see how it went. And I loved it. Um, and I think that like one thing I hear about is a lot of stories of like girls being I don't know not treated equally um, or being not suppressed, but like look like frowned upon um especially just in extreme sports in general um and maybe kiting isn't like quite the most extreme sport but in some ways it is and i i'm very fortunate that i never got any like bad attitude from anyone um and all the guys that like when i started racing in like 2014 i think um i was doing the saint francis yacht club thursday night series over the summer and even when I started beating some of the guys, like they were all super supportive and um, it, they were excited to see me, you know, doing as well as I was doing. And I was um, like, I think that they were just as excited as I was. Um, so, and I think that the kiting community is quite different from a lot of other sports in that sense, because everybody is so, so much more supportive of each other. Like, you just don't see that in like surfing. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, I was very fortunate to be a part of such a supportive community and um yeah, I think it's yeah, it, I was super lucky.
1: Yeah, I feel like the the I've noticed in that just like in the surf world community is like so much more inclusive and like nice compared to the surfing community. And I think that's probably yeah, just like a side thing.
2: So nice.
1: <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> And I'm sure that like it's probably similar with kiting and stuff. But I I wonder as the sport grows, you know, maybe it'll become you'll find a a grumpy guy out there every once in a while. So I feel like it comes with the numbers. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah, and I mean, like you do still find those people. Like every now and there is still that grumpy guy, but like you so rarely see it compared to like just people that are looking out for you. Like the other day, I went out kiting for an evening session in La Matana. And I dropped my kite because the wind died on the inside, and sure enough, someone like, come, someone started paddling out on a sup, and then someone came out on like a little boat and stuff, and like someone came to pick me up. So like it's just such a cool community, and everybody just is looking out for each other, and you definitely don't see that in other sports, so it's: cool.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, when, you, when you were starting, were you on the, the race board or the foil, or what was your kind of transition there?
2: I learned to kite on a twin tip like most people do. And then when I started racing, we were still racing on race boards. Um, so I learned to ride a race board and I even learned to tack on one, everything. Um, and then I think about a year after that was when everybody started racing on foils or was at least like learning to ride foils. So I just kind of hopped on that trend and started foiling. And I think this is like 2015 15, end of 2014, beginning of 2015, I want to say. Um, so still pretty early on. And yeah, it was I I loved going fast.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much uh starts from there and then the uh yeah, there's no end to it. So uh let's uh take away like all the foils and all the kiting. Kind of what is uh what does Daniela do for fun outside of all that stuff? Or what is your uh, what's your next thing that you would pick?
2: Oh man. Um
1: <laughs> for all the Daniela like... fans out there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um I like doing content. I mean, I wish I had more time for it, but I like, you know, doing Instagram and trying to do, or at least trying to do Instagram and YouTube and stuff. I think it's super fun and I I like being able to reach an audience that I wouldn't be able to otherwise, like without social media. Um, And I really appreciate like the support that I do get on there. And it's cool for me to be able to like use my platform in a very positive way. Um, So yeah, I really enjoy that. And I think like, I'm never gonna be as popular, quote unquote, as like a full-time content creator, just because like, It's impossible to be both a professional athlete and a full-time content creator like you just you can't do both um but i like i like to think that i can you know share a lot on the way and i think people like seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff and following that yeah yeah you're
0: gonna gonna become a TikTok influencer after uh after you're done (laughs) katie (laughs) um but like kind of on the content uh, side, like you are very positive and I feel like you are um, like, it's easy to kind of tell where you are in the world based off of that. Like kind of has that helped a lot with maybe say like sponsorship or just kind of like uh, meeting people maybe around the world or what, like what's been kind of the benefit of, of being active on social media?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I would say both of those things. And I think like obviously kiting is a bit of a niche sport so that if you can if you can make yourself relatable and if you can make yourself seem more human in a way and just more normal then i think it just makes you more approachable and so yeah i think like sponsors really do like that and it's definitely helped me you know connect with different brands and stuff and um make those kind of partnerships um because yeah people like social media is the essence of marketing nowadays um and people love seeing that and like ambassador marketing and all that is just huge now so if you can have that kind of presence on social media i think it gives you a lot of opportunities and just you're able to make more connections and stuff like that so yeah i
0: think it's huge yeah no that's that's really cool um and i mean being a couple time world champion doesn't help it doesn't hurt as well <laughs> um but kind of like yeah on that note how how was your was it your fifth fourth fifth world championship
2: yeah fifth. Uh, so
0: how, how was that like that's um it's pretty cool seeing a lot of other girls kind of come out of the works and and start kiting um for the olympics like how's that kind of been different or was it the same old uh domination <laughs>
2: No, it's definitely it's growing and it's getting more competitive and now that it is in the Olympics, all the sailing federations are putting a lot of effort and just resources into their teams and um, yeah, it's getting big for sure, but it's really cool to see like a sport that you know didn't have that much participation to begin with or just was very male dominated is getting now we had like almost 60 girls at the world championships, which is, it's a number we haven't seen in years now um or at least since like formula boards basically so yeah it's super cool and definitely made it harder but i'm i'm just excited to learn more and it's going to push me more and allow me to get better so yeah i'm just trying to embrace it and enjoy it
1: uh does the fifth one feel like ah kind of the same like it's kind of getting boring now and is the first one like just the best or is it kind of that that more competitiveness making it more rewarding i guess
2: no, the, yeah, I mean, the the more competitive it gets, the more, yeah, yeah. more satisfying <laughs> it is, for sure. Nice. Yeah, it was definitely the hardest one. And we have a new format now. We have, like, a, a qualifying series, final series, and then a four-boat medal race, basically, at the very end. Um, so it puts, even if you're, like, winning the whole week, you don't necessarily win that last race. Um, or you don't win the whole thing if you don't win that last race.
1: Right. So yeah, yeah we are talking to Connor about that a little bit. Sounds exciting.
2: <laughs> it, it's very exciting. It's, down to the it's end. Cool. Yeah. high pressure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so how how do you kind of like uh continue your training like towards the Olympics, not give away any of your secrets, but like kind of what are you what are you working on uh for this next next little bit? Or are you trying to kind of break it apart or uh one bigger goal or kind of what's your thought process now?
2: Um, my biggest thing is just to start working with a coach more regularly, honestly, because that was never something I had up until like last year. And even last year, we just maybe got one week of coaching every month or every two months. Um, So if I can just get more regular coaching and have someone helping me analyze my kiting a little bit more in my technique and my strategy my race strategy and tactics and stuff like that i think that's going to be a huge help and just totally change the game and i mean when you think about it i've already done so much without coaching and some people have been have had coaching the whole time that they've like since they've been since they started kiting so um if you know i can add that in now i think it's just going to help me progress so much in the next couple of years and it's going to be a big step forward
0: for me that's cool um yeah you're going to be uh (laughs) just adding coaching and adding more skills but um one more question (laughs) just for like the the surf foil followers out there like what are you what are you riding now are you just winging or is there any surf foiling down in Baja
2: um I'm on the east coast of Baja right now so I'm on the Sea of Cortez and there's not much like prone Surf foiling here. I know there's some on the West Coast, but I haven't done any surf foiling in Baja. But um, I'm riding a 35, I'm still like learning how to prone foil. I'm not very good, I'm improving. So, but so I have a four six by 19, 18 or 19, um, 35 liter Tarifa foil board. Um, and I'm riding the F1 Phantom 940 right now, and I'm using it for um, prone surfing and for winging. And then sometimes when I wing, I use a Mike Slab wing foil as well, um, which is super super nice. I was just riding one for the last couple of weeks down here in Baja, and it was amazing i actually got much better at pumping i was really proud of myself um yeah so i pumped dane probably under will understand this but i pumped all the way from north beach exotic height without using my wing which is like oh
0: that's a full good. downwind that's a full yeah downwind it's there.
2: like it was pretty good i was really proud of myself so yeah, yeah we're getting better
0: cool well we'll have to get you into the downwinding out here um on some some good gear but um it was interesting. I was talking to, uh, Matt a while ago and just being like, he was like, honestly, down is 80% equipment. So we'll, uh, put that to the test, but if well, you're doing it on the, foil. Yeah, the <laughs> F1 foil, I I don't know if it's high aspect. So if you're doing it on that, then I'm I, that. like, you're sponsored. Yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not sponsored by F1. So. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. yeah (laughs) cool yeah well um that was fun we'll wrap it up there um unless you have anything else you want to say or any shout outs or
2: follow the life of danielle
0: (laughs) cool all right thanks danielle
2: thank you see you
1: (laughs) bye bye
0: thank you for
2: listening to believe